TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Back by popular demand, we have with us today an author of a book called Sail the World, which describes everything you need to know to circumnavigate the globe. This is available with Amazon. You can buy it anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. And as ESPN Radio reaches Scandinavia and New Zealand, you can do that with Amazon wherever you are. Our guest today is Eric Reichart. His career was in the automotive industry. He was president of New Venture Gear, vice president of powertrain operations at Chrysler, CEO of AccuStar, and CEO of Chrysler Mexico. At Ford, he worked in product planning, including six years in Europe, where he oversaw the implementation of the Ford Fiesta. I believe you said before that it made a billion dollars for Ford, the Fiesta. Well, it, it cost a billion dollars to produce it. They made it by then. Okay, very good. Well, a, a great uh, leader in industry and uh, an author of the book, Sail the World. So why don't we talk first about this book that is available on Amazon.com. Tell us about this uh, book and the trip you went around the world. What was it all about? Eric Reichert. Well, it was a exciting and a life-changing adventure. I spent 15 years with the boat, but I took um, being an engineer in my basic background, we did, and a product planner. I took a, three years to investigate and find out the right kind of boat with the right equipment to do the job of sailing uh, across the oceans. And um, the book um, uh, imparts all of the knowledge that I gained, uh, not only in uh, planning for the boat, but in actually accomplishing the circumnavigation. Um, we've Things have been going pretty well since uh, it was published. Uh, I'm getting royalty checks um, regularly every month, um, uh, and uh, sales have been proceeding. Uh, we've given several lectures and talks mm -hmm. on it. Um, I did one at the House of Lords in London, England, right. uh, at the Circumnavigators Club. did one in Sydney, Australia, at the Royal Sydney Yacht Squadron, and also Michigan North Cape Yacht Club. And I will be giving one... Um, uh, next month in Michigan to a woman's group at Project Hope, Women's Division, which my wife is president of right now. And uh, that's going to be a different presentation to uh, uh, address the concerns that women have in terms of voting. What uh, tips do you have for those who might want to circumnavigate the globe in a boat I believe your boat was a 55-foot boat. And uh, what tips would you have? Because I, I remember when we did the one taping, you mentioned, I believe, you were in a terrible, terrible storm 
and you were quite nervous if you would survive or not. So what tips do you have for the international sailor? Well, as I said, first thing, you must uh, select uh, a, a boat that can take, the, um, uh, take all the rigors of the ocean. The ocean is unforgiving, and one must be mentally prepared to be self-sufficient when you're in the middle of the ocean. In most cases, you cannot assume, you cannot dial 911 and some, no one's going to come. You're too far away to be rescued in most cases, and if you're in a severe storm, you, they can't rescue you anyway. So you have to be self-sufficient, you have to have the proper equipment, you have to have the proper knowledge and skill base in terms of weather, um, uh, geography, currents, um, and most important, all the equipment on board your boat. You have to, in my mind, you have to be able to perform minor repairs uh, or, uh, on every bit of equipment. And I did repair the engine, the generator, the steering. And you did this uh, yourself? I did myself in the middle of the ocean while underway, which is a challenge again because the boat's moving at, while you're trying to do this. Um, but, but those kind of skills are required. And, but once you have that under your capability, then it's going to be an absolutely uh, wonderful time. Very good, very good. Great learning experience, a little risky. Uh, now, you and your wife are involved with a group called the St. George's Society, and you had a wonderful uh, dinner in Palm Beach, Florida with the royal chef to Princess Diana. It was a lovely event. You raised a lot of money from charity. You had a few hundred civic and business leaders at this dinner. Uh, let's talk about the St. George Society. What do they stand for? Why did you host this with your lovely wife? Well, the St. George's Society of Palm Beach is a um, an organization that's uh, uh, oriented towards uh, the English, th those people who enjoy English tradition and uh, and uh, values uh, uh, join. We have speakers and other events uh, throughout the year. Uh, but one of the most major events we had was the one with um, uh, Chef Darren McGrady, who was the uh, chef for the uh, uh, Queen as well as Princess Diana, mm -hmm. and for 15 years. And uh, the event was um, at the Colony Hotel. We had a sold out, and the um, the menu was. Um, specific uh, uh, selections that uh, uh, print the Queen and Princess Di and the boys liked. So it was a, a culinary feat um, as well. And he had a, a very um, uh, enjoyable talk about all of his uh, relations with the, the royalties. Yeah, it was a very lovely evening. Um, very enlightening of the lifestyle of Princess Di and the food that uh, he prepared for her for many years and also his later career in Texas so it was a very interesting uh, program. Let's talk a little bit more about this royal chef uh, Darren McGrady. Uh, let's talk a little bit about his career and his warmth and affection for Princess Di. Apparently 
uh, he was very close to her because when the divorce, uh, separation divorce took place, he chose to go with Princess Di and be her sole chef. So it was a, a touching relationship that they had for many years. And uh, your wife, who chaired this dinner with you, uh, told how he was heartbroken when she passed. So let's talk a little bit about Darren McGrady. Yes, uh, uh, Chef McGrady was, um, um, his first uh, job was at the Savoy Hotel in London. And then um, he was able to secure a position at the Buckingham Palace. But as a member of the, um, uh, the there were more than one chef, obviously. There's, I think, at 20 at okay. one point at Buckingham Palace. But they also they traveled with the royal family, uh, including Balmoral, um, uh, Windsor Castle. Uh, he even worked at point on the uh, uh, ship Britannia, the royal ship Britannia. Mm -hmm. So he had a long um, and, and varied association with the royal family. And as you say, particularly with uh, Princess Diana. Um, and I guess he... Uh, with the boys too, because he he keeps referring to them as the boys, but uh, of course now they're uh, they're heirs to the throne. Well, it was a very uh, captivating evening, and uh, the the uh, two hundred people there were very much in awe and very interested, and they had a great deal of questions for Princess Di's personal chef, Darren McGrady. For those who just tuned in to ESPN AM 1520, if you're listening in Buffalo, which is the hometown of Eric Reichert's father, Buffalo, New York, where we're headquartered, or listening in Washington or Manhattan or Montreal, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always read cards and letters from our Canadian and European Listeners, special thanks for those who called regarding our recent guests, Fletcher Dawes and Joe Shearer. Their forefathers were the mayor of West Palm Beach, Florida, and the owners of the well-known Testa's Restaurant in Palm Beach, Florida, and Bell Harbor, Maine. We also thank those who called regarding Todd Chatkin about mini dental implants. A little bit more information about Eric. Well, now let yes, me just sir. say that relative to the the um, dining royalty event, uh, although mm -hmm. uh, I was co-chairman with my wife, uh, Susan, Lady Susan, she did most of the work, I got to admit, right. and she um, she's a, um, uh, has been raising funds for charities her whole lifetime, both here and in Europe, and um, uh, she did an absolute magnificent job of organizing that event. It was wonderful. Uh, it was low-key, it was elegant, and very enlightening. We have a plug here in the hometown of Eric Reichert's father. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampole Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampole Legal. The Ampole Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores for home delivery. Call 716-835-9454.
That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. Now some more information about our guest, Eric Reichert. After retirement, he had a sailboat constructed and then sailed around the world and lived on board six years. He has published a book which is available on Amazon.com called Sail the World, which describes everything you need to know to circumnavigate the globe. Our guest, Eric Reichert, on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. Now, you worked for many years for Ford and Chrysler. Ford stock is fair. I own some of the stock. It's been around 10 or $11 a share. I, I hope you have more shares than I have. But anyway, uh, it's, it, they're getting more into electric cars. Um, they did not take the government loans when many auto uh, industries did take the bailouts. Ford did not. So let's talk about Ford Motor Company. You worked there for years. Uh, let's learn of your experience and where you see Ford today. Okay, well, um, my expertise was in product planning, which is the um, uh, group that's uh, designated to de uh, develop and plan the cars and trucks and products of the future. Uh -huh. And I had m several very interesting assignments in my career there, 18 years. Um, I w at one point in the early uh, 70s, I was head of... Um, uh, advanced product planning and advanced meant anything that wasn't in the current lineup and uh, we did have a flying car which we were looking at and as you know Ford uh, ran Willow Run uh, during the war and produced B-24 bombers so mm -hmm. Ford was familiar with uh, producing airplanes um, but for a variety of reasons. Um, I didn't feel that was a project which would lead to much future. Um, I did, I was driving an electric, all-electric vehicle in mm -hmm. 1970, far before Tesla or any one of these other people around today. Uh, the battery, uh, the whole issue has been batteries. Uh, at that time, the only battery we had was uh, uh, lead acid, and but we had a unique system of supplying lead acid batteries through the center of the car. Okay. Um, but I'm, I guess my point is that um, uh, Ford has been in the forefront of testing new technologies all along. Um, the Those other batteries were not as good 40 years ago, though. They were. They did not have the strength or the charge. The, well, you, of the batteries they, today. Yes, uh, the lead acids don't have the uh, charge density of the, of the lithium batteries of today, and consequently, uh, we couldn't get the range. Um, we, um, I mean, the, the vehicle performed very adequately mm -hmm. um, and was uh, very interesting to drive, but we we just couldn't pr proceed uh, on that basis. Um, forward. I also worked on people movers and actually Ford built one demonstration people mover in Dearborn uh -huh. but again um, 
um, it was not really something I thought uh, would be valuable going forward because of its limited uh, uh, footprint. Um, but I also developed the Fiesta car. Well, that was your major accomplishment in your career, isn't it, the Ford Fiesta? Yes, and uh, we now that car was des designed for uh, Europe, uh, but we developed it in Dearborn, Michigan, mm -hmm. and um, it was a, a unique project because um, it was a, a new um, new market segment. B class is where our terminology was. Um, it was for new uh, expanding into new markets uh, or more heavily into France, Spain, and Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, we required all new facilities, plants. Uh, we built a whole new facility in um, Spain, and um, uh, it was a new configuration. It was a front-wheel drive car which mm -hmm. was the first front-wheel drive car which um, Ford produced. And uh, to get that uh, um, you know, approved, uh, we had to convince Henry Ford II um, that uh, it was uh, valuable uh, for Ford going forward because their market share of the world market uh, would continue to decline unless they had a B-class car. So uh, it was. We spent. Um, program was a billion dollars for the program in total, um, and it was a little sensitive because the only the prior major program that Ford did was the Etzel, and as you well, know, that as didn't you, do very well. And that didn't do very well. So here I was back pitching to Henry Ford the second that uh, they ought to spend a billion dollars. And this is in 1972. Uh, spend a billion dollars to produce a, this new vehicle, which, uh, as I said, was new market, new segment, new countries, and he approved it. But, but was but, that a tough sell? After uh, the Edsel was named after his brother, wasn't it? Son. His son, and it was a flop. Uh, it it seemed to have futuristic styling, but. Nobody, I think, liked the name of the car, and they didn't like the looks of the car. And it, what was it around for a year? Uh, several years. Oh, it was, a, but it was a flop. Yes. So ultimately, they. Dropped so it. how was it for you to convince, after the failure of this revolutionary product with the Edsel, to get Henry Ford to go forth with the Ford Fiesta? How tough a sell was it? Well, it was obviously it was a tough sell, but. Um, I think we had all of the facts and um, and and figures, if you will, behind us, and we demonstrated clearly uh, uh, the potential. In fact, we had a yeah you know, we did market research on all new mm -hmm. products, right. and um, we had one unique one. Normally, you do it in a in a city in a country, but since we're dealing with many countries, we held it in um, Lausanne, Switzerland. And flew people in from, you know, Spain, Italy, France, Britain, and to review the models. So we had good data uh, on how people reacted to the vehicle, etc. And by the way, um, th these many years later, Fiesta is number one Ford vehicle in Britain today. Uh, so the Fiesta has uh, 
had very long legs. Uh, we, we brought the program in under budget, uh, variable, both variable cost and fixed cost. Now, the Fiesta was sort of a smaller, uh, better performing car, uh, a little bit ahead of its time, wasn't it? Uh, yes, uh, and it was front-wheel drive, as I said, which was the first front-wheel drive Ford produced. Uh, it was... Um, In the world, the first? No, no, no. no. Uh, there, were, there, were many, there were several front-wheel drives in Europe at the time. Well, this is the first that Ford was... First pushing. Ford made. Um, which, you know, is given that your whole history has been rear-wheel drive. Right. Um, you know, that is, uh, requires a different thinking. Well, I know where in your father's hometown of Buffalo, front wheel and all wheel drive are very popular because we often have to go through six inches or a foot of snow. And it certainly is much better performing than the rear wheel drive. So uh, that was a great accomplishment. For those who just tuned in, we're speaking with the author of Sale the World, which is available on Amazon.com. The author is Eric Reichert, a very accomplished man. And uh, if you're listening in New York, uh, Buffalo, uh, Toronto, or northern Florida, drop us a note as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada and receive letters as far away as Scandinavia, New Zealand. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little bit more information about Eric Reichert. He received an MBA with distinction from Harvard Business School and a BS in engineering from Northwestern University. He is married to Lady Susan and lives in Palm Beach, Florida, London, England, and Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. He has two children and five grandchildren, a very accomplished, uh, brilliant business leader internationally. Now I want to switch to the other motor company you were involved with for many years, and I'm referring to Chrysler. So let's talk about your experience there and the products you work with at Chrysler, Eric Reichert. Well, Chrysler, well, the reason I came to Chrysler was because of Lee Iacocca. Um, Lee and I had worked together um, at uh, Ford for many years, and when he moved to Chrysler, um, along with uh, uh, a man um, named... Um, Hal Sperlick, um, mm-hmm. as you probably are, if you remember, uh, Chrysler had very few good products at the time, and uh, in fact, the K car was their sort of last dying hope. So you're talking about the 1980s? Um, yes. Okay. And um, so they they brought me to Chrysler to renovate the whole product line, both cars and trucks, which uh, we did. Um, and it was a very lean, mean group. Uh, we were able to make decisions quick and move forward quickly. Um, Lee is a, um, a very charismatic and dynamic leader, and he uh, provided the impetus and even... Um, remember, they did a loan um, guarantee from... the the government. The government actually did not loan the money. Mm-hmm. All they did was provide the um, the guarantee. And Chrysler, because of what we accomplished, um, Chrysler was able to pay off the loan um, early and completely. Uh, so, um, but then I went on to do other things at Chrysler, including uh, 
you know, running powertrain operations and AccuStar, etc. Well, Chrysler had a reputation of having superior engineering. I think they always used to brag about that. Uh, uh, was there truth to that? Uh, yes. Um, the one of the problems, or one of the issues in the automotive industry, is scale. Uh, scale meaning um, how many vehicles you produce. Uh -huh. And Chrysler has always been um, on the small side compared to Ford and General Motors. So um, their engineering uh, aside, you know, they were having problems with uh, getting enough volume. Mm -hmm. to make uh, the vehicles profitable. And that was our our prime objective, is to try to make the vehicles you know, better received. We have a minute left on the Rusk Report. You work closely with Lee Iacocca, who was a legend in American business in the automotive industry. What was he like as a person? Oh, he was uh, a great leader. And of course, back in the days uh, in the automotive industry, you know, whether it was Henry Ford II or or Lee Iacocca, everyone was, uh, uh, most leaders were very dynamic and very persuasive. Um, as I said, Lee was um, uh, very charismatic, but one unusual thing, and he wrote several books, as most people know, but one unusual thing was he was really quite a private person. As a result, um, he had uh, a small group, you know, like 10 people, of um, uh, close allies, which uh, had frequent contact with him and in his office all the time, mm -hmm. but he really didn't get out. If there was a book member called Manage by Walking Around, uh, that is not something he did. Uh, he didn't get out and around. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. Back by popular demand, we have the author of Sail the World, Eric Reichert, who is a top executive internationally for Ford and Chrysler. Special thanks to Kevin Carr our director of production, and thank you for enlightening us about your book, Sail the World, available on Amazon.com, and about your experience in the automotive industry internationally. Eric Reichert, thank you for enlightening us on the Rusk Report. Thank ha you. Have a great week. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.